Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Uh, good morning. Um, a rainy day here and up at the top of the cross. So down Williams, it looks pretty bloody miserable compared to the, what the weekend was. We had an awesome uh, weather on Friday and Saturday. So anyway, um, that's the usual thing. We get a little taste of it, then they take it away from us. Um, this week, we're going to look at uh, some of the Eagles Nest pitches. Um, and I'm also going to look at a, a Harvard Business Review report on long working hours and uh, whether or not it's effective or ineffective. Um, we don't have a lot to report on in terms of economic news, not a lot's happening, um, but we do have the RBA coming out next week, so I expect to get more economic news next week for you. So, like, you know, don't waste too much time and money and effort reading in the newspapers about uh, economic data because there is none. So if they're telling you there is, uh, it's old economic data and they're just uh, rehashing what they've written about before. Now, this Harvard Business Review, just just tell me about what they were trying to look at. Absolutely, Mark. What they were trying to work out was, sure, we, we all think that working long hours is producing great results because if we work hard, it shows our boss that we're doing a good job. A couple of really important things that they <clears throat> noticed. They found that... Uh, Part of this psychology is that we all want to show people that we're working hard. But in fact, there was this great study out of Boston University that found that managers couldn't tell the difference between those who really worked the 80 hours or those who pretended to work the 80 hours. So how's that going to help any of us? Yeah, it's it's a good point. Um, uh, I wanted to say hello to Nick again here today. Nick's... uh, actually had some experience in this environment because he's one of those in that age group at least, um, come out of university and basically they get thrown about the place and um, there's an expectation that they do their 60, 70, 80 hours a week, particularly when there's a job on, like um, it could be a, a takeover or a listing or something like that. Um, and the expectations are just if you're leaving at six when everyone else is leaving at eight, that's a problem. Did you experience that, Nick? Yeah, I think um, there's there's... There's, the, there's, there's two issues here. There's there's FaceTime, which is generally just hanging around to look like you're working. And then there's, I, I guess, what was more my situation is there were things that needed to be done. And as a result of that, there were long hours. Output time. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, there are plenty of times where I didn't have a lot on and I would sort of work, a st- like I wouldn't go, you know, I wouldn't leave halfway throughout the day, but I wouldn't stay late either. Um, and I guess, you know, 
working longer hours is is only the result of having something to do. Um, and I, I, as long as there's – look, I don't think, you know, working long hours is such a bad thing as long as it's productive and there's things that need to be done. But I guess, you know, I, I, could, um, I could definitely – uh, see a much more productive working environment where, that, where if there isn't anything on to do, then maybe give the guys a rest. Well, I know of situations where people um, uh, s- sort of put down tools at three or four o'clock and you see them all walking around talking to each other and then they pick up tools again about five o'clock and they work till 6.30. And to me, they're just bullshitting themselves. Um, I, and because, you know, I'd rather them leave at five o'clock or 5.30 mm-hmm. and just get the hell out of there and go home to their families instead of this business about trying to prove to me or whoever it is that they're reporting to that they're there till 6.30 because it's nearly uncool, particularly in banking, it's nearly uncool to be leaving before 6.30 at night. Yeah, It's definitely. nearly uncool. So um, I, I – that, that's, but, but that's just day-to-day stuff. I, it's totally different, though, if you've got a procedure sheet and you've got action items which you're allocated things to do. And you have to have those things done by 12 p.m. on Thursday because your deadline, because you know the, the listing or whatever it is might be going to happen in the next day. Or if you work in like a reactive working environment, like you're on a, in a call center or something, where you need to be there throughout the, the trading hours of the business. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it's totally different. And, and then there's an output, and then you can work hard. So, but I, I don't. Th- I, I, the thing that aggravates me is these people who just say, oh, "I think I should stay back because I, you know, I had a couple of early days, and I, I, I was late." last week, you know, because I had to stay home when the removalist came and I was therefore I better give them an extra hour this week. And they're, and they're not actually doing anything. They're actually just standing around talking to each other and, uh, as Nick called, FaceTime. It's just sort of hanging around and talking and, uh, you know, looking like you're busy. And I just think that's just the greatest waste of fucking time in the world. I don't understand. I just do not get the understand. And actually, the point Jess was making earlier is that Bosses don't know the difference. The only time a boss knows the difference or the person you're reporting to or the person who's likely to do your performance review ever knows the difference is it's about output. Mm. Have you output the things you're supposed to do on time with the quality Mm. and do you do it consistently? That was certainly my case. If I had, you know, if my my boss set me a a time to do a task and if it wasn't done, he was unhappy. He didn't really care if it it got done and I went home at four o'clock or if I went home at midnight. Um, if it wasn't done the next day, then there'd be a problem. Yeah, exactly. And, and any, if, if, it, if, it, if it was done, then he didn't care what hours were spent on well, it. Well, I think you were lucky. I think your boss was good then. I think you were lucky that you experienced a boss like that. Because yeah. a lot of people in the really big organisations, the boss can't look at everyone because there's too many people. Mm. And therefore, everybody starts playing games. And that game playing is an inefficiency for the individuals playing it. Not, it doesn't hurt the business. The business just ticks over anyway. I mean, so if you've got four hours, I'm not saying if you've only got four hours of work, you should go home at four hours when you're supposed to spend an eight-hour day there. But what I'm also saying is if you've got four hour, only got four hours of work and you're getting paid for eight hours, you should go and chase another four hours of work yep. or at least three mm. and, and go to your, your rep- direct report and say, look, so-and-so, um, I've got nothing to do. I've done all the work. What else can I do? Now, there may be nothing they can do for you, but what they do is they actually appreciate you telling them that. They're not going to say, well, you shouldn't be working here anymore. They're actually going to more likely appreciate the fact that you're there. And what if I put in? What if I put in an extra six hours for the day doing something of of large magnitude over the first few days of the working week, and then my plate sort of lightens up at the end? Do you think I'm I deserve to to get some of those hours back by going home early? No, I don't because I don't think we should be rigid about well my my agreement with you 
business, you being the business, my agreement is that I, I, I only get paid for 40 hours a week. Mm. Um, and therefore, I'm not going to do any more than 40 hours a week. <clears throat> um, well, you, well, your question is that you're not saying that. You're saying if I can get away with doing less than 40 hours a week and equally put out all the stuff that you want me to put out, um, that I should be able to take, I should be able to do it in 30 hours or 35 hours. I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think we should be, you're there f- for the business and the business sh- should should have the option of using you if and when they desire. Mm. If you're not being used, mm. you still should be there because you're getting paid. Mm. So you should be there from nine to five. Yep. And if you need to do extra, do extra, but always do the nine to five. Correct. Even if you've done more than your allocated amount for the week. I think that's the way a particularly young person should run their run their employeeship. I, I do. Um, and, and, I mean, uh, because you never know. If something could come up, I need you to do it. Yep. Um, and you know, if you're not there, then where am I going to find you? I can't ring you up and say, can you come back? And I think that's why these, these new environments, these more modern environments, having canteens and gyms and all those other things are a great idea because that's a great opportunity, for example. Keeps them in the office. It keeps you in the office. You can go in the canteen. You might have your lunch. Um, you might, uh, and they have courses going on. You might do a course. You know, you might attend something. You might there could be some lecture once a week on a Friday afternoon, or alternatively, it might be that you want to go to the gym. You don't get a chance to go to the gym at home, so you go to the gym you, while in, the, in that spare period. You just say to your boss, "Look, I've done all the stuff. It's midday. Um, I'm going to go down to the gym. If you need me, you know, text me. I'll be straight up." I mean, that sort of work flexibility, I think, is really important. And I think modern organisations. I went down. Where was I the other day? Um, and I was. I saw this. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, the Macquarie Bank, the retail bank, um, it's down on Shelley Street. It's just fantastic. Like, I mean, they have all these facilities there and, uh, you know, like there's – it's very modern. It's just awesome, awesome place to be. Um, Telstra's got something similar to that. Um, you know, their, their building's purpose-built for them. And I was at Commonwealth Bank the other day. That was just unbelievable. Commonwealth Bank's new Darling Harbour mm-hmm. or Cockle Bay area there. Yeah. I was in there and I went down there to see them about some stuff and <clears throat> I was down there to see Comsec actually and um, the, A, the building's really cool. It's a cool precinct because everything's sort of built around the Commonwealth Bank, employees occupying the area, there's shops and cafes and restaurants and such a choice and bars and parking area and, um, you know, there's places where they can go and play badminton and uh, shuttlecock and, you know, play a bit of a soccer or whatever. It's And, like, if, it, if you keep them... If you're able to keep the people within your environments, your staff with your, within, within your environs, I think you run a more efficient business. And I think, like you just said, Nick, if, you, you know, if, if, you, if Nick does all these hours and he does all the output and it's done by Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, but he's still got to be there from nine to five, then I should not be upset if Nick just wants to go downstairs and have a coffee, as long as I can find him. I would be upset if you went home or you went somewhere I couldn't get you. Mm. Um, but if you're within my environment, environment um, then I should never be upset, as long as you... Tell me, you let me know where you're going. Um, I think that's that makes sense to me, um, and I know that's a modern way of doing it. Not everyone can have that because you know that's expensive. Commonwealth Bank's Commonwealth Bank. I mean, they're one of the few people who can afford to have these purpose-built buildings. But you know, and I think that the other thing too is the mobile phone or the smart device <clears throat> is making us work harder, Jess. And we are working. You know, this never stops with me. I know with me, it is. I am getting emails all weekend, nighttime. Because I, I'm on, I'm on the, uh, the the group, 
the, the Yellow Big Roads group advisory. So we have this thing called Ask Advisor. So um, what happens is if a branch in Ballarat has a client on a Saturday afternoon and they don't know how to do this client's loan, they'll ask the, the, the whole distribution, the have you had advice. some experience yeah. in this? I get, I get included, I get copied in on all these. And th- there's guys and girls sending emails at midnight and mm-hmm. Saturday night and all. T- and so mine's going off all the time. So this makes me work a lot, a lot longer hours. Do you get drawn into that though? Do you, if you can no, advise, I, I, I and, yeah. No, no, I do. I do. I want to look at it. I yeah. actually, I actually want to see who's talking to each other, and I yeah. actually want to know what the issues are, mm-hmm. um, and that's important for me to see that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, this makes me work a lot longer hours. This mm-hmm. device, the thing I'm holding in my hand now, the email system, and uh, but then of course, uh, you know, for me, part of my working day is, and I don't know if it's. I'm getting paid for it or for its responsibility and my obligation, but I'm always looking up all the business stuff. So I get some of you, Nick, I mean, do you look at all, I mean, on Twitter, you, you look at all CNN and CNBC. I mean, what do you follow? I'm not a big Twitter user, but I do have the Bloomberg app on my, on my phone and I get, you know, push notifications you know, all throughout the day and some of them I find interesting and I will look at. Is it more interesting or do you think they're things you need to know because of your role? I think, look, you know, my, my role was, you know, financial markets and, and when you're advising clients, you do, you do need to have a general feel of the economy because, um, you know, equity markets aren't always open. Sometimes they're closed and um, you need to have an understanding for what the what the, the feel is out there. So, yeah, a lot of extra um, curricular reading was something that I did a lot of. So would you, would you, what do you reckon you spent two hours a day on it? If not more, yeah. If yeah. not more. Yep. Rel- relevant to working in the financial markets or just just general? <clears throat> Look, I, I do, you know, that's my training and that's, you know, to a degree my passion and a lot of it was interest in leisure reading. But I guess to, to comfortably talk, talk about the macro environment with clients, you need to have a, a keen interest. So I would call all of it work-related. You know, if you, I, could, I, could, I could attribute most of it to, I could definitely find a, a work-related purpose for the reading. Right. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting change in the way business society works or financial markets in particular, but business society works today. We can justify looking at this thing all day or night. Mm. I mean, I'm, I've got it going. I'm watching television. You know, I'm watching the footy mm. on a Friday night and I've got this going. I'm still looking at this. I go out to the football on Saturday night, I'm still got this thing and I'm still looking up stuff that's popping up. It's getting pushed to me or I'm, I, I look at... Um, uh, Twitter, Twitter, and so I, I, I take the Financial Times Twitter feed and uh, etc. Mm. So, I'm just looking at what they're saying in London first thing in the morning on a Saturday, mm. you know, because and that's and Saturday night for us. Um, I'm always on it, and I, sometimes I don't know whether I'm probably justified in doing it. I'm not sure. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm bullshitting myself. Um, I don't really need to know that now. I could look at that tomorrow, mm. um, and I should really just chill and just watch the the game. <clears throat> but it's become habit. And the brain has this way of justifying habits and um, you actually feel comfortable with habits and to some extent socially rude. I mean, it's a bit rude if I'm – I think it is. Some people could find it rude anyway. But although it's becoming acceptable, I went to this wedding on uh, Friday fr- Friday evening, and oh, this reception thing, and um, everybody was – I was looking around, it was amazing, like, during speeches and stuff, people actually had their phones out and I thought, oh, was that rude or not rude? I'm not sure. Like, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable? I think it's, I think it's rude. <laughs> then why? 
I'm a, I'm a millennial, and I can tell you now. I think I still think it's rude. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, especially when you have. I've I've been at, on on dates with girls and 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 dinner with friends, and they've got you know. You're, this is a time that you've um, organised to have that person's attention mm. for a period of time, and they've they're they're splitting it with their mobile phone. Um, you're not interested. They're telling you, I, time is love, and I'm not willing to focus on you. I've got something more important than I can. I'm going to divide myself. Do you think so, or do you think it's just an insecurity? It could just be an insecurity, but I think it's rude either way. I, I think <laughs> absolutely that they should be focusing yeah. on you. You're on a date, yeah, or you have you're having dinner with your friends. Yeah, yeah. You should be focusing completely. Well, there's, on you know. And it's a number of people, but spent, they'd rather spend time with other people via their mobile phone than you. Than in person with Correct, you. Yeah. yeah. Is that, what do you think, Jake? I think it's pretty rude. Like, how old are you, Jake? I'm 30. Okay. And if you're in conversation with someone, you're having a conversation with them. Like, if they're going to pull out their phone and have a conversation with someone else on their social media, mm. yeah. that is just rude. They may as well just ignore you and go have walk over to the next table and have a chat with the person sitting dinner at the next table. Like, Okay, what about if them. they're at the wedding and someone's just posted up a photograph of the wedding couple and they, they get it on their Instagram? Look at it later. Look at it later, yeah. You're what, there what, in what, the moment. Yeah, Enjoy what's the, the moment. urgency to... You know, and they want to share it with yeah, you. Yeah, if you're sharing the moment with the people around you, then it's probably not so bad. But yeah. if you're doing, if you're conversing with someone over social media about something completely unrelated, then that's mm. probably rude. Now, that's interesting that your generation feels that way. I feel that way. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I actually think. I mean, it, I'm it, a victim of it to you though. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> when we're having dinner or lunch. Yeah, yeah. Looking I'm, at I'm, your mobile I'm phone. At, yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. You're my kid, so it's <laughs> different. Yeah, and I'm shouting. <laughs> you never pay. I'm always paying. No, but well, well, yeah, but I, I'm not sure. But I, but Nick, if it's during lunch, during yeah. work days, yeah. I think that's acceptable, right? If you're on the clock, yeah. Like if you and I say, Dad, I, I say, Nick, what are you doing lunchtime? Meet you, you and Jimmy at one at the at the office. You know, yeah. for, for, for what we call the office, the place where we go and have our lunch. Um, you know that I'm under the pump. Yeah. And so, same as you, if you're quickly checking something because your boss might be sort of sending you a message, mm. where are you or whatever. Um, I think that's acceptable. But I think if you're on a date, for example, think, that's a problem. I think that was the insecurity part yeah. that – was it you that mentioned that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, think, I think she was feeling insecure about maybe uh, maybe the conversation dropped off or – Was it a first date? Early? No, no, it was – yeah, it was the second or third. Okay. But, yeah, yeah I think, the con- you know, we, we talked about a couple of things and then, you know, the conversation died down a bit and I think there was some empty space there that she decided to fill with her mobile. They're good space fillers. Yeah, we're, yeah. But we're losing the ability to <laughs> yeah. converse face-to-face, aren't we, because we're so yeah. connected to yeah. our smart devices. But yeah. when is when is switch-off time? So so we're saying that, you Never. know, we're, we're on all the <laughs> time. No, but, but those times become even more important when we are face-to-face with people yeah. because I feel like I'm on my phone all the time, 24-7. You know, I could be giving my daughter a bath and I'm quickly checking something because I know the boss needs something soon. So multitasking, doing all those things. So there must be a time when we can say, right, I'm just going to have an hour and I'm going to spend it having lunch or dinner with this person. Do you think you need to have a switch-off time? Yes. Why? Um, because I think we're all too consumed by what's happening on this device. I think we're losing the ability to be able to converse and connect with people. Yeah, I'm not sure whether... I don't know if you need to switch off time. That's my view. Um, I think you need a, an allocated time where you can sort of allocate time to people. Okay. But the rest of the time, I don't think... You know, I don't feel like I want to be switched off. I actually like being switched on all the time. In fact, I, I leave my phone on at night when I go to bed. Mm, so do I. So I can hear it, yeah, um, pinging me, you know, and uh, and sometimes I actually will. I, I I 
choose. Sometimes I choose to look at it. Sometimes I don't choose to look at it. But um, if I'm awake or if, I, if I'm sleeping lightly um, and I hear it go off, I think, okay, I heard it. I'll have a look what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm asleep, heavily asleep, which usually is sedated, um, uh, and I don't hear it, I think, oh, who gives a shit? I'm, I'm sleeping now. I'm not going to be able to look at it. So I let my body do the switching off. I, I, my body determines whether or not I'm able to look at it or not based on how, I'm, how tight I am. Probably, I mean, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way, but I don't. I don't actually switch off. I know Nick doesn't switch off. My, my boys, generally speaking, don't switch off. Mm-hmm. But they're obviously a younger generation. They're on it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think women are probably better at this sort of stuff, though. Well, I mean, I do leave my phone on all the time. I turn it on silent overnight, um, just because friends and things in the UK mm-hmm. and other places, other time zones might be trying to get in contact at all hours. But I, I, I find not so much switching off, but what you said about allocating time and making sure that I'm present in that moment with within that time that I've allocated for friends, family, husband, yeah, husband yeah, totally. my daughter. <clears throat> What's the need with everyone needing to be so contactable all the time? Fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of nice. Like, I don't know, I just remember when I go, over, when I go yeah. overseas and I don't check my emails or my Facebook don't for like you? three weeks and it's like, wow, I haven't actually missed out on anything. And people say, where you been? Yeah. Well, I put my out-of-the-office response on and, I'm, you know, if I've got clients or something that I need to look after or regularly, well, they might contact me, the- I'll have already informed them when I go away and I'll say, yeah, you know, you someone's want- there to look well, after What happens if they want to contact you, Jake? And then you're, they're your clients, it's business. Someone else is taking care of the business while I'm away and you'll be well looked after by my colleagues and I tell you what I do. business will continue on. When I'm overseas, especially if I'm in Europe or something like that, I get up at 5.30 in the morning and I do all my stuff and I, I just t- work out the timings. I clear all my emails, I clear all my text messages, I clear everything that's been sent to me. I spend two hours, I go down to the hotel and I usually find some place where, where no one is and which is pretty easy when you're in Europe because no one's up at that time of day. Mm. And uh, I do that every day and then I can det- then I go to the gym or have breakfast or whatever and i got the whole day to myself because then in Sydney everyone's asleep. Mm. Yeah. So um, I do that like, because I, I feel as though if I don't do that, I'm sort of letting people down. Yeah, And I'd be the same if I wasn't I'm sort <clears> of in that because uh, I run an audio production business I physically can't work from overseas. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd need to, you know, book a studio in Paris and I can't have people in, so I'd need to be there and present, you know, like we are here in the studio and I just simply can't do that. Different type Different of country. So, yeah, 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 different kind of business. Yeah, my, I think my, my, people the, want my consent to do something or advice on something or whatever. Yeah. Yes. What's interesting is if you're going to work long hours, work efficiently, and if you're going to if you're going to let the uh, um, the device, you know, the smart device, your mobile phone, um run your life, then you've got to work at, work that smart too. And I think that's what everybody's saying. And for each one of us, it's different. Mm. How are we going to deal with it? Um, I'm probably obsessed by it. Entrepreneurs Insight. How do I respond to How people want to know, like generally speaking, I'm getting this all the time. Um, how do you respond to feedback? Um, Feedback's an interesting thing. I mean, I, everybody likes feedback. I like feedback. I mean, I get feedback from people on Twitter. Um, I get feedback from people on Instagram. I get pe- feedback from people on emails. And I love it. I love people to say, look, I really enjoyed the last podcast. But that's pretty cool. Or I didn't enjoy it. Or stop swearing. I had some woman said she's not going to listen to me anymore unless um, I stop the uh, F-bomb, which, by the way, I don't fucking intend to stop. Um, I'm going to continue to do because that's what I feel like doing. <laughs> But, you know, she probably doesn't listen to me anymore, so I can't offend her anymore. Um, but I like feedback. Feedback is interesting. It gets me excited and um, it sort of uh, 
build you some sort of story around the adventure. So now I don't mind whatever feedback I get. I don't mind whether it's against my character or whether it's constructive. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I, I like all of them. Um, but there's been some findings, uh, Jess. What's the findings? Well, Dory Clark, she's a marketing strategist and uh, and a teacher, and she's written for the uh, Harvard Harvard Business Review, and this is based on her book Stand Out. And she's posing the question: When is it okay to ignore feedback? We need feedback to to improve, to get better at what we're doing. But she says, look, there must be a point in which we say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. And she argues that these are, the, these are the times when it's okay to ignore feedback. She says when it's vague. So if feedback is going to assist us, it needs to be specific, whether it's constructive or uh, whether it's positive feedback. Uh, when it's only one person's opinion. So there might be someone who you think, oh, well, it's just their opinion. I'm not going to take that on board. Somebody else who you value more, you might take their opinion on more. Uh, when it's actually... Uh, a, someone attacking your character. So rather than the content of your argument, they're attacking who you are. So that's not positive feedback. That's not constructive feedback. And when it comes from someone that you don't trust, who's really just trying to have a dig at you. Um, she's saying that the tool, that it's a tool feedback to help us learn and grow. Um, it's a, become a bit of a religion in the corporate world to believe that it's always a good thing. But feedback from the right people who are informed. So that's important. Someone who knows a lot about the issue. It's helpful and has your best interest at heart. That's invaluable. I think she's a wuss. I think she's a wuss. I mean, just cop it sweet. Listen to everything. I mean, like, you know, and and sometimes people having a crack at you, underlying that when they're having a crack at you, maybe your character, maybe there is something in it. You know, like maybe you've got to actually sit back and look at everything that gets thrown at you. Whether you accept it or not um, is, a, is a different issue. And I'm sure if you're getting continually attacked all the time, that's a problem. But, I mean... You've got to have a look, why is these, who it is, who's attacking me and why are they attacking me? And uh, maybe there is something you can learn from that. Um, learn not to listen to them. That might be what you, might be the learning. But I, I think when people write these books like this, I mean, I, I find it wussy. I really find it, like, miserable. And it's a good way to write a book and get people's attention. I mean, that's my view on it. I mean, I'm one of the corporate Johnnies, right? All feedback's important. Some I take to heart. And sometimes, I, when, I mean, I get attacked like crazy by people. Like Some people really rip me. And sometimes about what, Mark? Hunt. What do people rip you about? Uh, non-performance of the business, you know, share price is not high enough, blame me for that, um, you know, blame me for all sorts of things that beyond my control. So what? I don't care. I mean, like, uh, you know, sometimes I, and sometimes if I'm feeling tired, I take it to heart. The, the, when it affects me in a negative way, it's not because of what's been said to me. It's because of how I am. How you react. How, no, no, it's how I am and how I am in terms of how I react. So sometimes I invite people to come and see me about it. And I say, do you want to say that on Twitter and hide, or that on uh, you know, Hot Cop or one of those sorts of sites? You want to hide behind some sort of stupid made-up name? I email them to the stupid name and I say, if you really want to talk about it, come into my office and front me. So now that's, <clears throat> that's one reaction. Another reaction is I couldn't care less. And it always depends on how I am at the time. And a lot of it comes down to my own state of mind. And in life, everything, the state of mind is everything. So I think instead of reading that book and us getting uh, on side with her and, you know, actually um, abiding by what she says or in, um, endorsing what she says by buying the book, my view on it is actually better off um, start, start to understand your own state of mind a bit better 
and know that you're going to react differently every time to every bit of feedback, whether it's positive, constructive, negative, against your character, against your skill or designed to help you do better. Um, it's always going to, the way you're going to take is always going to depend on how you're feeling. So sometimes your boss might say to you, you know what, Jess, you know, I wasn't happy with that last report because there wasn't enough detail. And you might go, fuck you. Like, uh, I've spent a lot of time on that. Now, that might be a positive bit of feedback, but you still might react negatively because you might be tired because you spent the whole week doing it and your kid might be sick and your husband might be away and you have to do all, you have to pick the kid up after school and everything. And your own state of mind be such that you received it that way. Um, and you might respond that way. Therefore, you respond that way. And what you've got to learn, I think we've got to learn about ourselves. And it doesn't matter. By the way, saying fuck you is okay. Um, but as long as you know why you said that and you've got to learn about yourself. Is that emotional intelligence? Is that is that? I think so. I'm not sure being, what it being connected. Call it emotional intelligence. Maybe it is. But, I mean, understanding ourselves is really important uh, and how we react and respond to people. It's critical. And, uh, and, and I think that's the most intelligent thing we can learn about feedback is how we respond and why we respond a certain way. Therefore, all feedback's important for us to learn about ourselves. And I don't think you should ignore, as this lady's suggesting, ignore any feedback. Um, you might not accept it, but what you've got to look at is look at the feedback and see how it's affected you and why you're affected that way mm-hmm. and learn how to become stronger and uh, deal with it. Does it go back to your advice about a mentor, not necessarily someone you aspire to be, but someone who's going to ask you those tough questions, who's going to challenge you on things? So they're going to be giving you feedback saying, hey, you're not doing very well or you need to work harder at that. Take it on board from those particular people. Um, I, I, I think you should take it on board from everybody, but uh, you know, feedback from mentors is different from feedback from anybody else. But you, you're going to get feedback just well, – I get feedback just walking the street sometimes. People have a crack at me for whatever. I don't know. If they, you know, I get some bloke the other day drove up beside me and wound his window down and yelled out, Rooster's wanker. Now, my response is I'm going to chase him and belt him. Um, I didn't. Um, but that's my initial response. And I thought about it. I should have just laughed at him. And I wish I had the opportunity again to do it. I should have just laughed because, you know, like, it was ridiculous. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, why would you just waste your time? You know, like, all your energy, you know, is there's no... But I got annoyed with myself about my response because he sort of having a crack at me just be, for no no sensible reason, just because I was a rooster supporter. Um, and I, I just didn't quite, I just, but why, why I reacted that way, my initial response was I fired up. Um, but why, why would you fire up, Mark, about something stupid like that? Like, I felt stupid. Uh, and, but I learned something about myself. I still haven't got, and I was tired. I, I just, you know, I'd had, just had a sparring session. I was a bit worn out and I hadn't had anything to eat. And uh, I actually felt like a cup of coffee, you know, like everything. I, I, I realised everything was not right for me. I wasn't properly balanced inside, chemically, and um, therefore I got that response. And that's, that's sort of, that sort of stuff happens a lot, which is one of the reasons I don't go out much socially because it can, especially when blows a fight up with drink. Do you find the same thing if um, people are asking you for feedback, just flipping it around, that depending on your emotional state, yeah, your 100%. response and feedback? Yeah, 100%. Be, yeah. 100%. Depending on how I'm feeling, I will respond a certain way. So, and I think both both parties, the person, the recipient and the giver of the feedback, yeah. um, de- it depends on how that individual's feeling at a particular time. And both. I, yeah, and understanding that, you know, your boss might yell at you, but you might just think, well, they're in a bad mood or they just got yelled at by some crazy person. Correct. In traffic, so, having a bad day. Yeah. It's about something else. So, maybe if you are actively seeking out feedback from your boss, 
Pick a good time. Yeah, timing. Yeah. It's all about timing. Everything's about timing. Okay, we better move on, I think. Okay, let's look at the Eagle's Nest. What have we got for me, Jess? Mark, we've got uh, three pitches today. So just a bit of a reminder to, to everyone, make sure that you're sending in your pitches via YouTube for Mark to have a look at. Uh, this is your forum, obviously, Mark, to uh, to offer support, honest feedback and encouragement for entrepreneurs and startups. A chance to pitch... Feedback. Feedback, yes. Feedback underlined. Uh, and it's... We're inviting people to come into the studio and pitch to you face-to-face. We've already had a couple of great guests and a chance to win $10,000 for the best pitch. We have three today, Mark. Give me the first one. The first one is Jason Loft. His idea is Pedals Carts Australia. The idea is a coffee cart that's tied behind an electric bike. Uh, They're serving espresso in parks, esplanades, outside schools, unis, etc., anywhere that you can take your bike. Uh, they've set out for everything to be affordable and a, and profitable, ideally, obviously, uh, but they want to do a franchise system. So, okay, let me have a look. Look, yeah. look, Jason's go here. I can see what's going on. He's trying to build something that has some environmental sort of uh, benefits around it. Electric bike, cool, tick. Um, he's then saying, okay, take control of your lives. What he's really basically saying is, you know, you're unemployed. Uh, you get you you take the franchise from him. And you can go and sell coffee. Um, that's that's you know, but in, in, that's a sensible sort of uh, concept. Taking control of your lives, not just working for yourselves. Um, but really, the business here is about him selling franchises. It's not about the person who buys a franchise making money. Um, and the question is whether or not the franchisee will ever make any money. I mean, there's, from my point of view. Franchising is quite lucrative. You can make lots of money out of it if you sell the franchise. Usually it's the franchisor makes most of the money. Uh, the franchisee does the work and the franchisor sort of just sells a concept and a package. Um, but in my view, this is a heavily competed market. Coffee is everywhere. People don't buy coffee in parks, generally speaking. People have had the coffee before they get the park. People have a special pr- uh, coffee place they like to go to or they like to use an espresso machine before they leave house or alternatively they have a place you know, that they've been going to for 20 years. Um, and it's their favourite joint. Um, so I'm not sure whether or not this is a great idea for the franchisees. Um, I like his concept that is uh, allowing people to run their own lives and have control of their lives. Um, but Jason, mate, I'm, it's not something I would invest in. Um, I don't think it's disruptive. I just don't think it's – I just think it's too heavily competed for coffee. It's everywhere. Um, but I like your electric bike thing. I think it's a good idea. Um, mate, take it on. What's the other one? Mark, the next one, Surge, he's come up with this idea, Bodyvation is the business name, and he's saying it will introduce the latest and most revolutionary technology into fitness clubs. They plan to disrupt the fitness industry globally. It will offer members of the training facility the ability to take accurate measurements of key body parts, allowing them to record and monitor their progress against goals over time. Uh, It will help fitness clubs increase membership and help retain existing members. It's in the early stages of development, looking for seed capital and business advice. Okay, it's not something I'd invest in, Serge, but um, whether or not, if you're you're going to help um, clubs retain their memberships, I don't see how this is going to be disruptive. Because if you're actually going to disrupt, you're going to disrupt the way the the fitness industry works today. What you're actually saying is you're going to help the fitness industry retain the position. So uh, really what you're saying is you're an adjunct to the fitness industry. You're not a disruptor, mate. You're an adjunctive um, uh, techni- technology. Um, 
And for those gyms who want to be able to sell uh, their gym based on the fact that they have leading technology whereby you can go and measure your biceps this week and measure them again next week and just measure the growth in your biceps perhaps over a period of time, um, that technology may well be desirable. Not that many people really interested in building their biceps, particularly women, um, and half the fitness industry is women. Uh, you're... And if they do want to build their biceps, they don't want to build it and just keep building it. So they're not going to continually keep building their biceps. They're going to build it to a certain level and just leave it there. So there is um, – I, I like the idea, though, of, of uh, the mobility of being able to go to a, a gym anywhere and get things measured. I think that's quite good things because right now you can get these things measured. You can get them scanned and you go to these scanning places. There's one down here at Woolloomooloo that I know of. There's one in the city <clears throat> that I know of as well. Um, and they measure body fat – they measure bone density and it takes like three minutes or something and you can keep going back and getting it checked and checked and checked. Um, your technology might be slightly different. Um, you didn't tell me what the technology was but it uh, might be slightly different but I don't see it as being disruptive, mate. Um, I see this as being an adjunct and therefore if I was you, if the technology is as good as you say it is, your seed capital provider will be someone like the Fitness First Network or, um, you know, the, um, the Virgin Gyms or one of those sorts of organisations who will want to try and cement their place and, as you say, retain their customers better than everybody else. So I see that as that's where you should be hopping on your your, your, your horse and going straight to one of those organisations and trying to get to partner up with them or alternatively licensing your technology to them. And if they're good at it, don't give them an exclusive license or give them a six-month exclusive license or a 12-month exclusive license if it works for them and for some reason, you know, the virgin fitness uh, organisation uh, starts to surge ahead of the marketplace because of their, your great technology and how they're retaining at the expiration of the tournament's period, then go off and offer the licence to everybody. That's what I'd be doing. Mark, the last one is Andrea Davies from Best Investment Gurus. She's not giving investment advice, but she is trying to create a website where she's putting on a, on a, on a plate all the products and... Also, who's giving advice? So you can look at the smorgasbord of the people who advise on this financial matter and there are people who advise on this financial matter. So not the actual advice itself, but where to turn to for advice and support. There's a lot of stuff out there already, Jess. I don't understand. Um, Is this lady qualified? What is her story? Uh, She's actually a nurse by trade. She said that's why she started the business. Uh, She she just realised there were so many people not making the most of their income or their finances, especially heading towards retirement. Well, that's what my business does. Yellow Brick Road does it. I mean, there's stacks of people doing this now. I think it's uh, it's certainly not disruptive because it's already happening. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is she's going to find it difficult. She's basically saying she needs to aggregate. She wants to aggregate advisors. Um, there are aggregation platforms out there everywhere. Um, you know, and, and all the big, there's agencies who report on the performance of the various advisors all over the place. Morningstar is one of them. Um, I think this stuff does exist. What she's, I think what she's doing is she's identified the problem quite well. There is a problem out there. Mm. And people, I think what she's saying is people don't know where to go. Yeah. Um, that's true. Um, but there are places to go. Um, maybe what she's saying is, well, I'll go and tell people where to go, how to find these people. Um, that's, you know, that's not a bad process. I'd like to know how she's going to make money out of that. Um, I guess she wants to clip the ticket. Yeah, well, she's saying that through her blog and her Facebook page that she wants to build up followers and then she's going to contact advertisers. So get uh, advertising well, that's, 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 that's sort of like, uh, 
um, you know, media, new media 101, um, you know, I build followers and I then I go to the advertisers and ask them if they want to advertise on my website. Um, that makes sense. Um, you know, we do that on podcasts. We do that everywhere. Um, Channel 9 has been doing it for a million years. That's not new stuff. That's not disruptive either. Um, I, I just, I think it's a tough thing for someone to do what she's trying to do. Um, you need lots of capital. You need, to me, you need a media partner like Yellow Brick Road does. Um, and even then, um, you don't get the reach, you, you know, you would hope for. It takes years. It takes a long, long time. It takes lots of profile. I mean, you know, Yellow Brick Road, we've got a TV show, you know, which we've done, you know, 50-odd episodes of to um, promote our business. So it's a tough one. It's very tough. And again, heavily competed in this marketplace. You know, you've got the banks, you've got the superannuation funds, you've got the financial advisors, it's, you know, your mortgage guys, heavily competed. It's probably... I would say outside of uh, retail, Woolies and Coles, this is the most money, most money that gets spent in the advertising market is in this territory. So I don't know how she's going to compete with that. Uh, but I, I will get, take my hat off to her. She has identified a problem. There is a problem. Um, and, um, you know, the advertising reach doesn't get to most people. So maybe what she's talking about is setting up a specialist blog site. But again, she's got to tell people got to know that she is the specialist and she's got to spend money doing that. And I don't know how that's how, how you do that. I don't know how you do it. And I actually don't know if the returns there because the amount of money it costs you to promote your 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 website or your blog site or you know yourself is ridiculously high today. Ridiculously high. Is there any way that she could look into? I don't know how the financial services industry works, but in terms of commissions for sending people and referrals, you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to receive commissions anymore. So the law is such that you can't do that. And she probably will require to have a financial services license. Yeah. So she needs to be licensed or the business needs to be licensed, which is a really rigid compliance, compliant environment, like extraordinarily expensive to run. Um, you have to go to ASIC, the, the regulator, to get the licenses. Um, not easy to do. So th- th- that, that, that's the part of the problem is that she, I'm sure she's do, trying to promote something that's straight up and down, but there's lots of people going and do this sort of stuff and they're rogues mm. and they're the very people that um, the regulatory environment's directed towards. As a result of that, it actually cancels out other people like this lady because they built the regulator built such a compliance environment, just no one else can afford to do it. That's that's the issue. Okay, what have we got? Ask Mark. Mark, we've had loads of questions sent in, but this is from Hari via email, and he says, "Hi, Mark. If there were one skill that could be practiced daily for the next ten years to improve you as a businessman, what would it be?" I keep getting these questions that people ask me, there's one, this one, that, and there's no one, anything. Um, I just think it's a nonsense asking me this one thing. But I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one of the many things, <laughs> um, just staying disciplined, getting up at the same time every day, doing all the things you need to do, prepare for the day, and just getting your day done and doing it efficiently. So that's the one thing is to remember to get up every single day and go about your business. I, I there is no one skill you need to hone. There is no one characteristic you need to build. There's a, a whole group of things you need to build and it depends on what industry you're in and what the competition's like and where your edge is and what skills you start off with, um, et cetera, and where you fit into the organisation and what other skills you don't have in the organisation. So it's much more a complex question than, you know, Harry can put into one sentence. But... Uh, if I was going to say one thing, mate, just get up every day, have your commitment, know what you're going to do. That's the whole reason you get up that day. Maintain your discipline every single day, whatever it is you're doing, every day. Up the same time, get to work at the same time, leave work at the same time, 
and get home the same time and do the things you normally do. In other words, just keep working hard. We talked about that hard work concept earlier on. Keep putting in the effort. That one thing underpins everything. Looking forward, this is the week ahead. All right, what's next week? Mark, the week ahead. So on Wednesday, we have the RBA Governor Glenn Stevens making a speech. Not sure at this stage what it's going to be about, but I imagine that he'll be uh, talking about the monthly rate decision that we'll have on Tuesday week. Reaction to world stock markets, maybe? Maybe. He might talk about it. Well, he'll talk about China, the China market. He'll talk mm-hmm. about what's going on in the US. He'll talk about what's going on in Australia. He'll talk about, you know, the, the growth and he'll talk about all the usual stuff. This is not some sort of political... Um, Thing he, this is something he does regularly every couple of months. So, I think he's just going to talk about all the stuff, give us a, a fuller version of why he is and isn't moving interest rates at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to talk about what the government may or may not do. That's too dangerous. Um, in fact, you know, Joe Hockey talked about you know reducing tax rates for some part of the community this morning, and why New Zealand's ahead of us because New Zealand has lower tax rates, etc. But you know, and Joe said if we get re-elected. Like, so why don't you do it now? Why wait till you get re-elected? Do it now and you get re-elected. I don't understand. If we get re-elected, it's like apple and stick. Basically means if we don't get re-elected, you won't get tax breaks. What the hell? <laughs> That's confronting. Steve is going to come in, Jess, and he's going to do the normal talk. He's going to talk about property prices. He's going to say Sydney's going ahead faster than everywhere else, but the rest of the country's not. Um, he's going to talk about China, he's going to talk about Europe, he's going to talk about the Greek crisis, how it settled down, he's going to talk about America's um, macroeconomic policy and how it's growing, the possibility of interest rates rising by the end of this year in the US or maybe early next year. Um, he's going to talk about how GDP grows below below um, you know where they would like it to be. He's going to say unemployment's starting to get a bit creepy. He's going to say interest rates are very accommodative. Um, but as you say, there's not much data. I don't know what else there is for him to talk about. We, we just said there's not much data. There's nothing. And he only gets the data like everyone else. He doesn't have an early feed on the data. He gets the um, ABS data the same day as I do. So, look, his insights will be important. Yes. He's got no more data, but his insights as to where he thinks, where he, it becomes important, what he says is, how do we interpret what he's saying based on what I think he's going to do with interest rates next month? That's that's where it's important. Um, but as interest rates get lower and lower and lower, this is very not very far for him to go. So he's going to be very tight. So I, I'd imagine this is going to be perfunctory rather than uh, re- revealing. Yes. And next week, well, firstly, we hope that you come into the studio in one piece, Mark, after your uh, yeah. fight with Danny Green on Thursday night. Yeah, I hope I'm... How are you, how are you feeling? I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm all good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not as ready as I'll ever be. And, uh, and hopefully on the show we, uh, we plan to have uh, another person from Eagle's Nest to come in and pitch to you face-to-face. Cool. Right here. Looking forward to that. And uh, when Stephen speak? What date? He speaks this coming Wednesday and the rate decision okay. is Tuesday, Tuesday. Week. So we'll, we'll have a bit to talk. But maybe Stephen's will give us something to talk about. My sense is he won't, but... Uh, We'll talk about it, but it's not going to be anything new. Mm. But look, hopefully it does because I'm looking for something exciting to come out of out of the, you know the RBA. I just don't see it happening. Though. See you guys, great. I'm, I've got to go back and uh, have my breakfast now. This has been the Mark Boris podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au.